0: Hello from Nashville, New York Rangers fans, and welcome to episode 45 of the New Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vince Mercogliano of the USA Today Network, and I am here in Tennessee on the road with the Rangers. We are preparing for game number five of the season, which will be played against the Predators on Thursday night. I've already been in Canada for a couple games. I've already been to Washington, DC. This is all just in the span of the last week since the last time that I spoke to you guys. It feels like a blur. It actually feels like the previous episode was like a month ago, but it was only a week ago because I've already been on, I think five, four planes now in the last week after I went 19 months without being on any planes. So pretty wild. Before we get into the Rangers stuff uh, on a personal note, It's been really, really cool being back on the road. It's not 100% what it was like prior to the pandemic when we were having full locker room access and could just walk in there and talk to any player you want at any given time. It's a little more restrictive than that, but we are seeing the players around the arena. You are getting little chances here and there to have casual off-the-ice conversations with them. And of course, we're getting to interview them in person usually podium setting, that sort of a thing. But the conversations, even in those settings, that compared to the Zoom is so much better. You can ask them a little more personal questions, whether it's family stuff or what are you guys up to on the road? You can have a little fun in that setting, both us trying to have fun with them and them having some fun with us. Quite a few guys have made fun of the length of my hair already at this point. But it's just a totally different experience being there, being in the arena, especially like Montreal I mean that place it was their home opener it was electric that night. So as far as covering the team, this is not a hundred percent normal but I would say 75 80 percent the only thing I'm missing is like I said that locker room access that is key that is a chance to have a little more private conversations, get more alone time with guys and I'm hoping. At some point in the near future, that will be restored, whether it's this season, which I'm keeping my fingers crossed about, or later on. Obviously, the environment with with COVID still ongoing, it's a little delicate, but we are required to be vaccinated. We are temperature checked at the door in a lot of these places. The vaccination cars are checked at the door, and we're wearing masks. So personally, I'm feeling pretty safe, and I can also tell you guys that I've been tested now. I think twice in the last week, because especially to go back and forth from Canada, you're required to get tested. So I'm getting tested frequently. So there's still risks involved, but I don't want to diminish that at all. But it is definitely a more normal, better feeling than what we were doing last year during the pandemic. And it's also just really cool to be in these cities again, walking around places like Toronto and Montreal and DC and now Nashville, Those are already, honestly, some of my favorite NHL cities to travel to. So we've had a pretty cool start to the season from that standpoint. A lot of great restaurants, decent nightlife, just vibrant cities. And a lot of these cities you can feel are really, really back. Canada, I was a little pleasantly surprised, I guess I would say, that these cities are are pretty popping now. Things are, things are happening. A lot of restaurants are reopened. A lot of bars are reopened, that sort of thing. But what I also really appreciate about Canada is that you can't go anywhere, restaurant, bar, store, the arena, if you are not vaccinated. As soon as you walk into every door in every establishment, your vaccination card is checked. It's cross-referenced with an ID. So you know when you're in these places, not only are you walking in with a mask on, but everybody's vaccinated. So so that's, a, again, a pretty safe feeling and getting tested frequently. You know, I feel like, you know, you have these doubts in the back of your mind about going back to traveling. And especially me with a baby at home, the last thing you want to do is bring anything back home. But so far, so good as as far as that is concerned. Keep your fingers crossed. Obviously, I miss the family. I spent the first almost six months of the baby's life being around him every single day. I think maybe one night we didn't have him, but now I'm back on the road. So that's difficult, obviously. But From a work standpoint, this is awesome. Really glad to be back out there. Really glad to be around the team. And of course, the Rangers are doing their part in keeping things interesting as they always seem to do. Now, before we get into the latest with the Rangers, probably should have plugged this a little bit earlier, but I got to to talking about life on the road. And I wanted to let you guys know that this week's guest, another player from the Rangers, probably going to be doing this once every few weeks, at least once a month throughout the season, I'm hoping. This week we have... New defenseman Patrick Nemeth, who I have to tell you guys is a really funny, down-to-earth guy. He—he, he, I think you'll enjoy this interview. We talk about some stuff going on with the team, and we talk about the decor, and we talk about his role and his career and how it's progressed in his own hockey journey. He also tells us a really funny story about the Rhode Island trip and a golf incident that happened between him and Ryan Strome. I, I won't give too much away. I'll tease that a little bit. You guys can hear more later in the show. But so we have that interview coming up with Patrick Nemeth in just a little bit. I just got back from practice at the Bridgestone Arena here in Nashville. The story of the day, and I think this is the logical place to start, is that Artemi Panarin, Mika Zabinajad, and Chris Kreider are going to be together on the top line for Thursday's game against the Predators. Now, I've written about this. Those of you who follow my work closely know, and those of you who listen to the podcast know, we've addressed this several times in the last couple of years. Artemi Panarin came here with the expectation, I don't know about his personal expectation, but the Rangers' expectation was that he would play with Mika Zabinajad. Since then, they've played about 120 games together, and they've only started nine games together on the same line. I have to tell you guys, I'm a little torn about how I feel about doing this right now. As you know, I've been an advocate for giving this an extended look, giving those two a real opportunity to play together because they are the Rangers' two best forwards. And my own sense of curiosity makes me wonder how good could they be if you let them get rolling together? I think, I think they have some serious potential to be one of the better lines in the NHL for sure if they gel and form some chemistry. But we also know that this Rangers forward group right now is really thin. Since the last time we spoke, Capo Caco is on the injured reserve with an upper body injury. Now, the good news on that front, we, we got a little bit of information out of Gerard Gallant today, is that they don't think this is going to be anything long term. Now, IR sounds serious, but all that means is that he has to miss seven days. He can come back on Sunday, which is going to be a practice day, it sounds like, for the Rangers. And then they play a home game on Monday against the Calgary Flames. He's eligible to play in that game. And Gallant said he thinks it's going to be close and there's a real chance that he could play. So that should tell you that he'll be back soon. He's not going to play Thursday in Nashville. He's not going to play Saturday in Ottawa, but he could play Monday. And I think probably the latest, it sounds like you would see him is the Rangers have a home game against Columbus next Friday. So Kako should be back relatively soon, but the Rangers are certainly missing him right now. And they're certainly missing Ryan Strom who has been in COVID protocol since we went to Canada. Now, initially, there was some thought about Strom and whether or not this was related to getting entry to Canada, because as I touched on at the top of the show, in order to get into Canada, you have to pass a COVID test. I had to do it. Everybody who went there had to do it. I was wondering if maybe it came back inconclusive or if there was anything going on with the testing process. But the fact that Strom is not with the team now that we're back in the U.S. in Nashville... That tells you he's probably in protocols, could miss a week plus 10 days. There's a lot of protocols as far as he has to get two negative tests within, I believe, a 24 or 48 hour period, and then maybe he can come back. But he's quarantining right now. It sounds like he is not with the team. So they don't have their second line center. They don't have their second line right wing, who is really probably their top right wing when you consider the depth chart right now. And we also know, as we talked about at length last week on the show, Vitali Kratsov is not an option for the Rangers right now. One of our Twitter questions is about him, so I'll get more into the whole Kratsov thing later, but I did write an extensive story that I would encourage anybody who didn't get a chance to read over the weekend about everything that I've heard about this Kratsov situation, from the Rangers' side, from Kratsov's side. A lot of nuances, a lot of he said, she said, or he said, he said, I guess in this situation, but... I feel pretty confident that I've got my finger on the pulse of that and that this is a situation that does not feel like it's going to be resolved anytime soon, and it seems highly, highly unlikely that Krotzoff will be an option for the Rangers at any point, not only this season, but ever, with the, with the direction that this thing has turned. So we're not going to harp on that too much. We'll talk about it a little bit in the final segment of the program, but without those guys, without Kaka, without Strom, without Krotzoff as options, what we're seeing right now And I wrote about this in a column that that came out on Tuesday is where we were at a point in the summer at the end of last season where there was a lot of talk about the Rangers have so much skill, but they have to round out this roster and grit, 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 grit. We've heard so much about grit. We're not going to talk too much about that now. But the Rangers went out and acquired themselves plenty of grit in the in, in the process. They traded Pavel Buchnevich, one of their best forwards, no doubt. And now that they're being struck by the injuries slash COVID bug and Vitaly Kratsov is no longer in the picture, suddenly we're seeing a team that is really struggling offensively. The Rangers have played four games so far. They've only scored eight goals. One of those was Artemi Panarin's overtime winner the other day. But as far as regulation, this is a team that has produced seven goals through four games. Looking it up on on Natural Stat Trick, which is one of my preferred sites as far as analytics goes, they've had 18 high danger chances at even strength in those four games. That's not a high number. High danger means shots from the slot, shots around the net, shots that are considered high percentage chance of turning into goals. The Rangers have not produced a whole lot of those so far. And the power play has struggled. It's two for 16 so far this season. So you combine the injuries, you combine the struggles at even strength, you combine the struggles on the power play. And right now, this is a Rangers offense that is really sputtering. And it seems to be a result of the fact that not only did they lose a couple skilled players in Buchnevich and Kratsov, guys that are either not on the team anymore or are on their way out, but when they get hit with injuries, you have a team that is really... Over reliant, I would say, on its tippy top players, top six, and now really top line to produce for them. And and this is where my concern comes in with the Zabinijad Panarin thing. Now, on one hand, I I think it could work out really well. I, I do believe that this has the potential to be a spark for the Rangers. I do believe that this has the potential to be a highly productive line. But I would be more inclined to give that a try when the rest of the lineup is at full strength, when you have Strome, when you have Kako. Because the alternative now is you have a second line that, as we saw today at practice, is going to be Alexi Lafreniere, a very talented player, no doubt, but a very young, unproven player. Philip Hedl, still a very young, unproven player. And Sammy Blay, who, listen, we like Sammy Blay. He looks like a very useful piece, but Sammy Blay was acquired to play in the bottom six. He was really required to play on the fourth line. Now you're asking him to play on the second line. How productive is that second line going to be? If I'm an opposing coach, all of my focus is going to be on stopping that top line. And then if one of those other three lines hurts you, so be it. But I would have my doubts about those lines being capable of that. You have a bottom six right now that has no player who has ever scored double digits goals in an NHL season the highest, (laughs) I found this pretty interesting when I looked it up, the highest goal total that anybody in the bottom six right now has produced in an NHL season is Ryan Reeves. Who would have guessed that? He scored nine goals for the Vegas Golden Knights in the 2018-2019 season. Nobody else in the bottom six right now has even scored nine goals in a season besides Reeves. And we all know Reeves is not an offensive juggernaut. He was not brought here to be a scorer by any stretch. So to me, I like the fact that Gallant is going to give Panarin and Zabinajad a look together. It's something that at some point I absolutely wanted to see, but is now the right time? Maybe I'm wrong. Again, if it provides a spark for the Rangers, and we, as we just talked about, this offense definitely needs a spark, then it, it'll look like a, it'll look like a genius move. But I just wonder about the rest of the lineup. Are you going to get enough production from them if the top line isn't scoring? As we even saw in the previous game against the Maple Leafs, Rangers only got two goals, one in overtime, and it came from Panarin and Zabinijan. So right now, as those guys go, so will go the Rangers. That is going to be the main issue for them until they get healthy. The thing is, despite all of this, despite these concerns, here we are, four games into the season, and the Rangers are sitting at two, one and one. They've secured five of the possible eight points that they have had a chance to get so far this season. The biggest reason, the guy we haven't even touched on here as we're approaching 15 minutes into the show, is Igor Shosturkin, of course. I can't say enough about how good he's been in these first three games. It's obviously a small sample size. We have to have that disclaimer every time that we talk about the team, probably in the next few weeks. But he was good in that opening game against Dallas. But he was awesome in Montreal, and he was awesome with a capital A in Toronto, faced 73 shots, I believe, in those two games in Canada and saved 71 of them. I I talked to a few people about this. I had one source say to me the other day that even on the two goals that he allowed while they were in Canada, if you watch the replays of those... It's kind of fluky things. One of them, he got bumped in front of the net. The other one, he was absolutely in the right position for. He played it perfectly. It was just one of those plays where there was a defensive breakdown and very little that he could do about it. So this guy already at this very early point in the season is on top of his game. You have to feel really confident and really good if you're the Rangers anytime that he's in net. I would fully expect him to be in net on Thursday. Of course, Gallant won't confirm that. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this trend So far, early in the season, but Gallant is not a fan of revealing his lineup decisions to reporters ahead of time. Doesn't mean we're going to stop asking, but so you guys know that we're not going to have that information at least confirmed a lot of the time. But being able to be there in person for practice and watch it and just getting the vibe of what's going on around the team, there's very little chance, I think, that Igor doesn't start Thursday. My question is, how many is he going to get in a row now? I think there's a chance if the Rangers are going to pick a spot for Georgiev that it's Saturday in Ottawa, but they come home Monday and I'm pretty sure against the Flames, you're going to see Igor. And then they have three days in between games after that. They don't play again until Friday. So I think you're going to see Igor in at least three of the next four games, if not all four. So Igor right now has been an absolute godsend for the Rangers. If he keeps this up, if he can stay healthy. He looks like a guy who absolutely is one of the top 10 goalies in the NHL and can be a guy that can carry the Rangers for stretches and certainly keep them in games maybe when they're not at their best. And and that's what you're about to hear from Patrick Nemeth here is that the Rangers are encouraged by the fact that they're pulling these games out. Obviously, Igor gets the lion's share of the credit, but they are finding ways to pull these games out against quality teams. Their schedule has been pretty tough so far even though it's very clear to everybody watching that they're not playing their best, not playing consistently enough. They're adjusting to a new coach, adjusting to new players, dealing with guys who are out of the lineup, and yet they're still finding a way to collect points. Is it sustainable? No. You can't rely on your goalie to do that much heavy lifting every single game, but you're, you're getting some points here, and that's helping the team feel good about themselves. If they were losing these games... I think it would be a big blow to their confidence and would delay them picking up steam, if you follow what I'm saying. But I think by getting these wins, even if it's not necessarily the prettiest wins, that is going to help them feel good about themselves and they hope help them get the ball rolling where everybody's pulling their weight, everybody's playing well a little bit quicker. We'll find out. We just touched on a lot of the concerns, especially as far as the goal scoring goes at, at this juncture. But again, 2-1-1, one, and one, given the schedule they've played, I think a lot of Rangers fans would probably take that at this point in the season, and we'll see what unfolds from here. But with that, we've talked for quite a bit now. I'm going to kick it to our interview with Patrick Nemeth, and then I'll be back right after that interview to answer some of your Twitter questions. <laughs> And now let's welcome into the show the newest, well, I don't know if we can call him the newest defenseman for the New York Rangers, but one of the newest for sure. And that's Patrick Nemeth, who signed to come uh, and play for the team over the summer. We're on the road in Nashville right now. So Patrick, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know you guys got a game tomorrow, so we found a little bit of free time here, but but how are you doing? Is everything going okay? Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. Yeah, everything is good. Um, you know, it's... Um, First, uh, first long road trip of the year, you know, get to know the guys and, uh, trying to, you know, uh, settle in, uh, and get to know, uh, all, all my new teammates.
0: Yeah. You, 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 mentioned being back on the road. I definitely want to ask you about that. Like after last season and, and not being able to do much of that. And even when you were on the road with a limited amount of games you guys played last season, it was restricted to your hotel. From what I understand, I mean, is What's it like now? Is this feel more normal? Are you guys able to get out there a little bit more experience the cities a little bit more, spend more time with each other, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, for sure. It was,
0: you know, last year
1: it was tough, uh, you know, for everyone. Uh, obviously uh, the whole world, uh, you know, it was uh, a tough year, uh, but it was uh, for us, it was restricted to the hotels and, you know, it's just, it's just hard when you, you know, when you have a new group of guys and you, you want to try to get to know each other and, you know it's it's not the same as it is now so uh, we're really thankful for uh, you know for this year that we
0: can do more of the
1: normal stuff that we've done in the past
0: and you got traded last season so that probably you talk about getting to know the guys and and being restricted that probably made it even more difficult right
1: yeah, well, the good thing was that you know I've I've been I've been on Colorado before, so so it was it was two years basically between I was there last time and when I got back. So a lot of the guys that that were there, uh, you know, the previous time were, were played there uh, last year when I got traded back. Um, so that that really helped me. If, if if that was if that was a new team that I came to, that that would have been even even harder.
0: Mm-hmm. But so, so far with the Rangers, like when you guys are on the road, if you guys want to go out to a little team dinner or or, or do something along those lines, like you guys are able to do that. We're able to do that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Cool. So now here we are in Nashville. You guys are getting ready for game number five, four games in two, one and one. It was pretty obvious to everybody who watched those games in Canada, how important Igor was for you guys in those games. But overall, you know, how are you feeling about where you guys are at, at this point in the season? Uh, I feel pretty good, you know, um, obviously four
1: games is a very, very small um, sample size to judge, you know, any, you know, any type of performance uh, over an 82 game span. But so far, I think uh, obviously there are, are, you know, stuff in our game that we want to clean up a little bit and Chester has been really good. But I I think uh, the direction we're going as a team, you can feel that we're starting to Kind of get on the same page a little bit more, um, so it, it feels really good. It feels like we're trending in the right direction, um, and it, it takes. It, it also takes time, especially when you have a lot of new players. You have a new coach, new system. It, it takes a little time before everything kind of clicks uh, and gets automatic. Um, so you, you have to, you have to, you have to have that in the back of your head uh, when you're, you know, when you're judging a team.
0: Yeah, when you have all that newness for you being on a new team, you mentioned the other new players, the, the new coach. Is like, what are you looking for early on in the season to show you that you're going in the right direction? I'm sure everything's not going to be crisp early on and, and that sort of thing. But are you like, are there signs that you're looking for to say, OK, this this is showing that we're moving in the right direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, from the outside looking in, it can be hard to see that. But, you know, when, when you're playing, you kind of want to you want everybody to be on the same page and, and play to the, to the identity that you want to have. And uh, I think uh, so far it's, it's, uh, it's been pretty good. Like, it, it feels like the group is, is trying to play the way that we want to play. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be, uh, you know, s- some periods here and there that, that it goes up and down a little bit. But I think overall it feels good. It's a good feeling in the group. I like our team. I like the, the, you know, the personnel of our team. Um, I like the mix that we have. So I think that there's a lot of positives uh, for sure. So uh, we should, we should just uh, uh, keep building off what we're, what we're,
0: uh, what we're doing right now. When you're in the heat of the game and you're trying to, to play defense and all that, I don't know how much you can actually watch what your goalie is doing, but, but what have you made of Igor, especially in those two games in Canada?
1: No, he's been, you know, he's been really, really good. He's made some unbelievable saves for us. Uh, he kept us for sure in the game uh, against Toronto. There was there was a period in the game that we weren't happy with, um, but to be, you, you, you know, you, you can say that, but you can also you can also flip it and look. It's pretty. It's a good thing to to win a game like that uh, and to just not collapse, you know, and 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 let in three, four, five goals. And, you know, he was he was a really big part of that. And uh, it's uh, it feels great to have him behind behind you when you play when you play defense, for sure.
0: Let's talk about you a little bit. Everybody knows you're from Sweden. But can you give us like your early memories of what got you into hockey, how you ended up on this path to the NHL?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So I basically started skating. um, Well, actually, it it started earlier. It started when I was two. This is something that my parents told me uh, when I was two years old, and I was watching the um, uh, the World Hockey Championships. uh, You know, it must have been '94 back then. Uh, My grandma wanted my attention, and I told him. Told her to be quiet and leave me alone because I wanted to watch hockey. <laughs> <laughs> That's it again. So I guess it started pretty early, um, and then started skating when I was around four or five years old, and then I just started playing hockey when I was six, and and then um, yeah, and then from
0: it went from there. I guess. Did you did you apologize to your grandmother later on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, if she wanted an apology. I just I just think she thought it was funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I know you ended up eventually you got drafted by the stars, I believe, like 2010. Um, and, and then you, you bounced around, you've been on some different teams. So I mean, what has the whole journey been like for you? I know we talked about this a little bit on that Rhode Island trip, but what for you sort of finding your way, becoming an NHL regular. We we've seen, you know, all guys take all different paths. Some guys go right to the NHL, but that's very rare. Other guys have to work their way up and, and figure out their game over the years. So w- what has that looked like for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I played, um, I played a uh, professional hockey for two y- two and a half years in Sweden, uh, in the SHL or Swedish elite league, like they called before. Um, So, and then I came over, I think I was uh, around 21 when I came over to North America and uh, I played uh, in the AHL for about a year and a half. I think I had like 90 games in the AHL or something. Um, And then, yeah, I got called up uh, to play the last eight regular season game with the stars in, I think it was 14, 15, if I remember right. Uh, and then played a few games in the playoffs there. Um, yeah, and then, you know, last, and then I had some tough injuries early on in my career. Uh, I got a skate cut to my arm, which set me back a little bit. Um, and then I went to Colorado for a couple of years, Detroit, back to Colorado. Now I'm mean, with Rangers.
0: For, for a guy coming from Sweden, what was the culture difference landing in Texas? That seems pretty extreme.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I liked it though. I, th- I, I thought it was, you know, the Cedar Park was a good, it was a good um, hockey atmosphere, actually, believe it or not, down in Austin. Um, great place to, you know, great place to live. Uh, we had a really good team. We won the Colour Cup there, fourteen, fifteen. 15 uh, Had a great coach in Willie Desjardins. Um, taught me a lot of, you know, details about my game. So, you know, it was it was great for me to, to play those, um, uh, those games in the AHL before I got called up, for sure. It taught me a lot about the, the game in North America.
0: Yeah, the, the difference between the game in North America and the game in Sweden, the, the, the SHL has a good reputation. It's considered probably one of the three or four best leagues in the world by a lot of people. But everybody always talks about the, the rink size being different. You know, obviously the game here in North America, I think, is considered more physical. So, so what did you find as the biggest adjustments, or, or did you feel that the SHL prepared you pretty well for, for what the differences were going to be? Yeah, I think it did. Um,
1: you know, SHL, if you compare that to, let's say, a junior league, you're playing against other professional hockey players. Um, you're playing against men, older players, maybe players that have played in the NHL before. So, so I mean, it, you can't really say what, what way is better and, you know, which route you should take. It's all so personal but i think for me it was it was really good to play to play those two years in sweden before coming over and play here um and the biggest difference for for me you know especially for, for a defenseman is uh yeah you know sometimes the best play is no play at all um and to be able to be fine with that uh, i think that's something that that is a bit of a transition from the swedish from the big rinks to coming over here is that uh, over there you can almost always make a play with but here it's sometimes you just you kind of have to punt the puck or or chip it behind them uh because you don't really have another play um and that's something that you that you have to learn and be fine with um and it's just a little bit of a transition
0: i've heard nhl coaches say that before where they say a good shift sometimes is a shift where nothing happens exactly yeah for sure
1: and you, you see that especially the longer you know the closer you come to playoffs that's that's usually when it when it's you know sometimes it's it's like it, nothing nothing happens you know you're just you're just playing chess and and you're just feeling each other off and and you don't nobody's want, is willing to take any risks and um, because the the problem is if you, if you force something and it gets into turnover you know guys are so skilled nowadays that they're basically score on on your mistake so um, that's, that's just that mentality to have, you know, when you're, when you're 20 years old and you're, you're, you, you're a defenseman, you're basically the quarterback, you know, you're supposed to be the mature person to take the mature decision. And, you know, that can be hard sometimes, especially when you're, when you're used to, um, when you're used to making plays every shift. Um, so that's just something that, that can be of a transition, And some, some guys learn it quicker than others. And, it, that's that's just uh, the the difference
0: uh, from from each individual player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have a guy like Adam Fox who steps into New York and makes makes making plays look look pretty easy from the defenseman position. But I think that's that's probably pretty rare in your estimation.
1: That is that is really rare. You know, obviously he has you know a, a great set of talent and <clears throat> such good vision that um, it's not really the the rule to have a guy like I think that everybody can be Adam Fox. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now here you are, you're, you're in New York. Can you just tell the fans a little bit about why this felt like the right landing place for you once you hit free agency?
1: <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it has, this team had, you know, some, some really good pieces. Um, there was there a was shift in uh, the identity that they, that they wanted to have coming into this season, uh, which felt good for me um Galland coming in new new staff that's always intriguing when you have a new staff coming in with new fresh eyes um and just it just felt right you know you, when you when you have the conversation that you have and when you see when you look at the roster just you just get a good feeling for where the team's heading um so that that was a big reason why why uh why I wanted to play here um to contribute to, um, do, to the identity that they want to have. Did you know
0: any of the guys here that like have relationships with any of the guys before you signed? Did you maybe know Mika cause of the Swedish, Swedish connection or anything like that?
1: Yeah, he was, he was actually the only guy that I, that I had a history with, which is, which is, um, a bit rare. Cause I mean, if you, if you look at the roster, it was, it was, a very, it's a pretty young roster, especially last year. I think it was really young, one of the youngest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which it might still be, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's one may, of the top maybe three. I
1: drew up the age a little bit now, which is crazy because I'm only twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: you you, you and Reeves uh, and Goudreau, I think, pushed it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: which tells you how much the league's changed the last five, ten years. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. No, it's just you, like I said, you, you get a good feeling uh, when you talk to teams um and just the direction that they want to go so so that that was that was very intriguing for me and I think uh, so far it's been it's been really good and uh, I think uh, we're on a good path there
0: I I thought it would be kind of fun because I know as a positional group you spend a lot of time with the defensemen especially at practice so whether it's on the ice, or I know fans always love to hear about guys' personalities off the ice. I want to run through the decor and just maybe get your early impressions. Like I said, whether it's something about the way that they play or, or something about maybe what kind of guy they are off the ice. We touched on Fox a little bit, but in general, like what has what has your impressions of him been now that you've had a chance to spend a month or so around him? Um
1: yeah, you know what, like I, I, I you know, it's obviously the Norris winner from last year. and But, you know, I didn't really, I haven't really played tons against him. And I, so I haven't really seen him a lot. So I didn't really have a good, you know, a good um, scouting report on him. So, so you kind of, you kind of watch him. Now I watched him quite a bit and you, you it's just his hockey IQ is just off the charts. Uh, all the, the little like movements that he does. On the blue line, um, you think that he's, you're like, oh, oh God, he's screwed here. But then he kind of finds a way to get out of it, which is insane. And it's it's not, it's not a lot of people who, who have that ability, the escapability that he has. Um, so what stands out for me with him is his IQ for sure. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the best in the league. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely a worthy uh, Norris Trophy winner. He's a, he's a he's a great player. Yeah,
0: and he, he looks like he's off
1: to another good start
0: this season. But what about his partner, Ryan Lindgren? Uh, anything about Ryan standing out to you so far?
1: Yeah, I think just as you know, he, he feels like he's one of those guys that that is a that is a good, uh, really good partner for Foxy. He's he's a steady guy. You know, he plays hard and uh, you know, sacrifices himself just like a really good character guys that you, you want to, you know, you'll want to battle with. And, uh, um, you know, he kind of plays a little bit you know, the same way that I want to play too. So he's uh, no, I really like uh, what I've seen from him too. I
0: I think everybody, I had Ryan Lindgren on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and I joked with him that, I think fans look at him and Adam Fox and think that they're just, they do everything together. We know they're roommates and all that is that around the facility. Are those two guys just always together or, or is that maybe overblown a little bit? No, they're
1: no, they're, they're next to each other all the time.
0: (laughs) Every (laughs) every time, every
1: time you see one of them, you see the other, um, tripping each other. It's, it's really fun. They seem to have a lot, a lot of fun together and they're, they're really good partners together. So, so we're, we're really fortunate to have them as, um, as a, as a D D partners.
0: I guess, I guess that helps with the chemistry. And uh, then the, the next guys I want to talk about Jacob Truba. I think he plays probably a little more like you play as well, but, but impressions of Jacob so far. No, I think uh, Jacob, he's, he's been, re- I think he's been really
1: solid. Um, he's just, he's just a really, I think he's just a really good defenseman. You know, he, 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 he does a lot of good things. He does, you know, you know, he can play both in the power play and in penalty kill. He's a good all around defenseman, a little bit of a leader figure. He's a great guy. So, yeah, I, I, like I think we have a really good blend of characters, both personalities, but also, um, you know, different styles of how we play. And so, I, I really like the setup both, both up front and on the back end. Uh, what we have, so yeah, he's he's uh, he's been off to a good start.
0: When you look at a guy like Keandre Miller and the size and, and the mobility and, and everything he brings to the table, I mean, what do you see as the upside for a guy like that?
1: Oh, he's got great upside. You know, he can, he's, he's, a, he's, a, I don't know how tall he is, but he must be around 6'5, 6'5, 6'6, somewhere around there. And he can, he can really skate and move the puck. You know, he, he's got, he's got a lot of tools and he's a great kid too, you know. Um, humble, wants to learn, works hard. So, so uh, you know, Rangers fans really have a good one there. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the, the blend is there. Uh, the chemistry is there. It's just that's, that's something that, that to be really excited about.
0: And the last one I want to ask you about, and I know this is probably the one that everybody asks you about first because he's your partner, and that's, that's Nils Lundqvist. How, how do you see him coming along in the transition going for him so far?
1: really well. You know, he's, he's still, uh, he's still young, uh, and, uh, you know, for pl- only playing a few game, a handful of games, uh, over here, you know, he, he plays well. He's got, he's got good composure. You can, you can see what upside that he has too with his IQ and skating ability and offensive upside. Um, he's, he's, he's a really good player, humble guy that, you know, that want that also works hard and wants to learn and and I think that's very underrated you know thing to have as a, as a young player that, that you're hungry and you want to learn and, and want to be better because because that's what that's what going that's what it takes for you to to have a long career in this league um is to is to be humble and and work work hard and, and trying to get better and I think a lot of guys uh, have that on this team, which is uh, which is a lot of fun to to see. A,
0: a lot's been made of, of you guys being partners and the Swedish connection and all that. But ha- was that something that the Rangers talked to you much about before signing? Did, did they express to you that they thought that you could be helpful for him in particular?
1: Yeah, yeah, they yeah, you know that they said that uh, it, it doesn't hurt uh, that you know that we're both from Sweden and uh, the the language can be a little bit easier. Um, so for sure, uh, you know it's something that I'm trying to because, like I said before, I I had um, I was fortunate enough to have a few um, a few guys that I could talk to, um, you know that that made that made that journey that 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 I was looking for to have, um, and it's just it just feels you know it, it, it feels good to have somebody you can talk to in your native language and who's been through it themselves um so it's it's for sure a a big positive um you know to to have someone like that around you
0: but all you got your english is so good all of you all the swedish guys i assume you you learn it early in school or something right we do yeah we we learn
1: english i think it's the second or third grade that that, that we start and it's uh, it's uh, one of the, the the main subjects in school is math swedish and english so it's something that we really take a, take a pride in to, um, to be good at. And, uh, it doesn't hurt, I, I mean, I've been living here now for almost 10 years, so makes it, makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Well, so you say you've been living here for a while and I want to ha- have a little fun here at the end and, and maybe get to know you a little bit off the ice. And I, I, think the first, one of the first things we always wonder when guys come to New York, because obviously you guys play at Madison square garden in, in the city, but, the practice facility is in the suburbs in Westchester County. So are you a city guy, a suburbs guy, or are you, are you trying to experience like the heart of New York city or you prefer to be where it's a little quieter?
1: No, no, I have, uh, I, I'm out in the suburbs. Uh, you know, uh, me and my wife, we have a, we have a kid, so and two dogs. So, I mean, I think it would be a little bit a little harder to, um, to uh, live in Manhattan with, with that crew. So, yes, for, um, sure. for sure. So we made it, uh, we made the decision to try to, try to stay outside of the city uh-huh. and it's we're, we really like it so far uh it's it's great how old is the little one a uh, year and a half okay all right so r- running around, around yet or so no? he's running
0: around and pull, pulling what was that i said was he running around yet or yeah
1: oh yeah he's running around pulling everything out of the cupboards and yeah it's it's just um it's it's a lot of fun but it's um it's a lot of uh, it's it's messy sometimes too.
0: <laughs> I, I'm I'm bracing for that. Our little one is six months and he's he's rolling and crawling a little bit now. But I'm just waiting for because and that's already it's like okay, you can't just put him down in one spot and leave him there anymore. You got you got to keep an eye on him. But once he starts walking, I don't know what we're gonna do.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's uh, that's what I heard too. Before he was walking, you know how how, how, uh, how he was gonna start running around soon and. They weren't lying. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So have you gotten a chance to, to spend much time in the city? Is there anything cool that you either have done or, or want to do now that you're so close to the biggest city in the world? Uh, we haven't been able to,
1: to be down a ton. We went to the Chris Stapleton concert, me and my wife, uh, um, here a few weeks ago, uh, which was great. Um, but, but then after, you know, we haven't really been able to um, – to do a ton because of uh we uh, you know we moved into our house and trying to get that set up before and that takes that takes a while before uh before everything is settled uh mm-hmm. feels like we still have you know unpacked boxes which is um which is crazy
0: yeah i'm sure i'm well and plus you know you have a, a whole hockey career to worry about too so i'm sure that takes up a good amount of your time as well exactly yeah like i said to a few
1: guys this almost doesn't really doesn't really matter where you live because during the season, you know, you have eighty-two games and practices, and you're you're on the road. So you, and when you when you're home, it's it's almost like you just want to lay on the couch and and just relax. You don't really have. That's how I, I am, anyways. I don't really have time to do a ton of stuff. So,
0: I was so I was so, gonna I was gonna ask you if you've had any really because I mean obviously I'm biased. I'm from New York, but I think New York has some of the best restaurants in in the world. But it, it sounds like you might not have even had any great time to go out and have a memorable meal or anything like that.
1: Well, we, we there is there is there is actually one spot in uh, in New York that, that I really love. It's called Estella. It's um, uh, oh, I'm so bad with the streets, but I think it's down it's down uh, in uh, I think it's in Greenwich Village. Okay. Or what kind
0: of, what kind of food? It's like
1: small Mediterranean uh, plates. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's, but it's, it's really, really good. It's, it's almost like you, you look at the menu and, you, and you're like, oh, huh, this sounds weird. But then when you order it in and you try it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I, I really, I highly suggest that restaurant.
0: Are you, are you a big food guy? Do you have a favorite kind of food? Uh,
1: I'm a big food guy, yeah. But I don't really have like a typical you know i I like this or that I, I i am open for uh you know for a lot of different uh types of food and uh you know um I'm, when i'm on the road i'm trying to i'm trying to i have actually a list on my phone uh for the road that i've uh mm-hmm. that i've uh, collected over the years what kind of restaurants that are good so i like uh, that i like I think, that. i'm thinking about uh post-career start a uh like a restaurant
0: guide for NHL players. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always asking for restaurant suggestions when we go to different cities. So I might have to, I might have to get a peek at that list at some point. I I have one for New York city. Me, me and my fiance accumulated it over the years of all of our favorite places to eat in the city. So maybe we'll trade at some point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I, well, obviously one thing we know you have been able to do in New York is play at Madison square garden. Players talk about it feeling different there. I mean, is that, does that live up to it? Does stepping on the ice there, does it feel different from other arenas?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a cool arena with so much, so much history. Um, so, so yeah, when, when you play in an arena like that, it is a little bit different. It is a little bit of a different feeling and just, just a, you know, you're, you're out and um, you're out in, middle of Manhattan and you go walk into the Madison square garden. It is a bit of a different feeling for sure than, than most other arenas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the, actually, I kind of like the setting of this arena here in Nashville. I think that's one of my favorite ones so far too. And Montreal blue. I mean, that is always one of my favorites. I, I love the atmosphere there. I'm sure you guys felt it was like electric before that game the other night.
1: Yeah, for sure. Montreal is is very good. Uh, Nashville has a pretty good fan base too. I think uh, Chicago's national anthem is pretty Pretty cool too when everyone is singing along. Um, so there's a there's a few few places that have that extra, you know,
0: extra good feeling when you uh, before games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So wh- what what kind of stuff do you like to do on an off day? Are you just a chill at home kind of guy, or do you have any hobbies that you like to do when you when you have a little free time? Um,
1: you know, like I said during the season, it's it's kind of hard to to. To do anything we you know me and my wife would like to go out and you know have a cup of coffee and you know go out with our son to to like a park or something but it's not you know much more than that because you don't really have time mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you know obviously if if i was if i was single i would probably play a little bit more golf but um don't really have time for that now but we just we just like to we just like to you know on off days maybe go for a walk with our kid and just order some food to uh, for dinner and try different restaurants. Like, that's that's kind of what we do. Simpl- God- simple,
0: simple, but good. We like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you – is golf, like, your, your next favorite sport?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I really like I, – I really enjoy playing golf. But, like I said, and it's the same thing in the summer. It's um, – you know, you, you train quite a bit, so time is probably the – the biggest uh, obstacle for me to, to go out on the course.
0: Artemi Panarin was just telling us that when you guys play different sports, he mentioned like ping pong or whatever, he said, he always wins at everything. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in ping pong. I
1: haven't really, I haven't really followed his golf golf game too much. So we'll see, we'll see how we, how he is there.
0: Yeah. I haven't heard much about his golf game. I actually, I heard Strom is good at golf. I heard Lafreniere is pretty good. Um, but for Darren, I'm just saying, he just told us that he wins at everything. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I got to get to the bottom of that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we had a. We were out. We were out. In the, we were in. The, um, um, we were on the team building. We we're out and play golf, and um, I accidentally hit Strom in <laughs> in his back actually with a with a severa, seven iron. So if you. <laughs> So if you ask him, I don't I don't think he he uh, would say that I'm a good golfer. <laughs> I definitely have to you hit
0: him like with the actual club or with the ball? No, 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 with the ball. It was a okay. part three. Okay. It was a, okay.
1: a part three yeah. course. And um it was like 190 or something uh from from RT to the green. And they and the the next T was like right behind the the green. So it must have been maybe like two ten, two twenty. And um And I hit, I think I hit like a, I I really hit it good. It was, I think it was a seven iron or something like that. And they went towards them, but there was a big group and I'm like, should I call four? And somebody in my group said, no, no, you're good. Then boom, right in his back. Oh my
0: God. (laughs) If he, if he had to go on IR for that, they would have had to find you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was, it wasn't, it wasn't far away. It was right, right in the middle of his spine.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Well, maybe that's why he's out now. Maybe that's we we got the truth.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. You said that Swedes are so nice, but that doesn't sound very nice to me.
1: No, I know. I know. I didn't really feel good after that. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, he, if if there was one if there was one person on our team that I that I'd like to hit, it, it's it's him because not because he's a bad guy because he would he, he could actually take it. He, he just laughed afterwards, so he's such a great guy.
0: Yeah, he would definitely have a good sense of humor about it. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's, he's 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 great.
0: Awesome. All right, Patrick. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time. I want to let you enjoy your night in Nashville. But thank you so much. This is awesome. I'm glad we got a chance to get to know each other a little bit here. I'm I'm sure the fans enjoyed it. And good luck with the rest of the season. Obviously, we'll be seeing you quite a bit. I think we're very curious to see how it goes from here uh, now that we still have, what, 78 games left to play. So good, good luck with everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We are back. Thanks again to Patrick Nemeth, who was a great guest. I was really happy to have him on. I think in the grand scheme of things with all of the different stars and personalities and prospects that we talk about with this team, Nemeth as a free agent signing was a little bit of an afterthought maybe to the fan base, but he's a guy that the Rangers clearly identified as somebody they wanted to bring in because they think that he fits this identity of harder to play against, which you heard him touch about. Touch on. He fits the mold of a guy that they believe can be a good mentor for Nils Lundqvist But also just an interesting guy, really down to earth, cool guy. You could tell that he's got a good sense of humor. And we certainly appreciate that as we appreciate his time for you guys. I hope that when we do have a chance to have these players on, obviously, we're going to talk some hockey. But I I like the idea of letting you guys get to know them a little bit about how they are off the ice, what their personalities are like, what makes them tick. A lot of these guys are funny. A lot of these guys are pranksters. And so we're certainly going to focus on some of that stuff when we do have these player guests on throughout the course of the season. With that, let's move on to our final segment because I'm getting kind of hungry and I'm ready to go out in Nashville and and get myself a good meal. Got a couple places in mind. Had some suggestions from some friends who live around the area or have spent a lot of time in the area. So going to get to that soon. I'll let you guys know how that goes. But first, your questions. And we're going to start with one from Mike M., who asks, with Shersturkin likely making his third start in a row, is there any chance we see Kincaid get brought on to give him a break? Or are we still going to stick to Georg- Georgiev to- for the foreseeable future? First off, I will say this I do not see the Rangers demoting Georgiev. He'd have to clear waivers for that to happen. We've talked about the possibility of a trade that absolutely at some point this season could happen. But right now, I don't see any reason why the Rangers wouldn't stick with Georgiev as their backup. He didn't have a great first start, obviously. And when you compare him to Igor, Igor is clearly the superior option right now. There's no doubt about it. I wrote in my column on Tuesday that to me, I think the Rangers have to aim to try to get 70% of the starts out of Igor. If he's showing signs of breaking down, if his health isn't right, if any injuries occur, obviously you change course. But While he's this sharp, while he's looking this good, and while he's feeling good physically, he gives him the best chance to win, no doubt about it. So playing Igor as much as you can is a no-brainer. Georgiev as the backup. I don't really see a huge issue with that. I think you're going to pick your spots to play him. I mentioned in the first segment of the show that I, I could see him possibly playing that Saturday game in Ottawa. We'll see if that happens. Maybe the Rangers ride Igor all the way through until they end up hitting what they have coming up in a week plus, maybe 10 days, is they have this trip to Seattle and then Western Canada. I think they have a back-to-back at some point on that trip, so I'm sure you'll see Georgiev at some point. But right now, Igor is the guy. I don't think there's too much of an issue as far as who the backup is. Georgiev, up and down, no doubt. Definitely cast some doubts last season as far as that stretch in the middle of the year when Igor was hurt and he struggled, but goalie is probably the last of the Rangers' concerns right now, so I wouldn't put a whole lot of thought into this one. Play Igor as much as you can, pick your spots for Georgiev, and and you move forward with that. All right, let's get to the next question, which comes from Cody Frankel, who wrote, Hi, at VZ Mercagliano, You had mentioned we're shallow on depth, and I agree. What are our options here at right wing? Could we possibly slide hedal to wing and acquire a center, or do we acquire a winger? Well, Cody, I assume you're mentioning the column that I wrote on Tuesday where we touched on at the beginning of the show as well, some of the deficiencies right now as far as the Rangers' skill now that they've lost a couple players out of the lineup and they dealt Buchnevich and they have off on the way out. I would say this as far as the depth at right wing. Out of the eight wingers who the Rangers are using right now, six of them naturally, for the most part of their career, have played left wing. Lafreniere, Kreider, Blay, Goudreau, Dryden Hunt, and Artemi Panarin. The only two that are natural right wingers who are active right now are Ryan Reeves and Julian Gauthier. So some guys are being forced to play out of position. The Rangers have to make this work in the long run with, I think, at least one of them. And it seems that Chris Kreider is the guy who they've decided they're going to shift to the right wing and give an extended look there. But you also have Goudreau playing on the right. And, and he's talked about feeling comfortable at a lot of positions, but Gallant did tell us the other day that he thinks if all things are equal, Goudreau is most comfortable left wing. And you hope when you get Capo Caco back that he could slot in there. Reeves is a fourth line guy. Julian Gauthier looks like a guy who probably won't even be in the lineup when the Rangers are at full strength. So the right wing thing could become more of an issue as we go through the season. Buchnevich and Kratsov are both right wingers. So the Rangers have left themselves vulnerable at that position, no doubt. Does that mean they're going to go out and trade for one? I still believe that if they go in the trade direction, center is the main focus. It's been that way. That's what I've been hearing for a year now. I, I don't think that that's changed. I've told you guys before that I very much think that because the Rangers did not make a trade over the summer and because they maintained so much cap space going into this season, that something happening at some point before the trade deadline is a distinct possibility that we're going to have to keep our eye on. So my antenna is always up as far as potential center trades. Would something happen this early in the season? That's not the norm. It seems unlikely. I wouldn't completely rule it out, especially if these offensive struggles continue and Chris Drury really feels that the team needs to add something to the mix. But I think the likelihood is that is probably closer to the trade deadline. As far as right wing, you mentioned Hedl and I don't think that I see the Rangers moving Heedle off center unless they acquire another center. I, they still seem to me from everything that I've heard. And we heard this from Gallant as well. They still seem determined to keep him in the middle. Now that might be a product of the lack of overall depth that they have at center. We're talking about right wing, but let's not forget that center long-term is a question mark as well. So They are obviously motivated to make Hedl work in the middle because really, what are their other options? I've talked to people who do believe that right wing might be better off for him. He can just concentrate on using his speed, using his skill, and not having as much overall responsibility as he has at center. I will say that his face-offs, it's only four games, but his face-off percentage, while the Rangers overall have been bad, Heedle has been better. He's up right around 50%, I believe, right now, which is his career percentage is like 40. So 50 is definitely an improvement for him. I don't think the Rangers are going to give up on that anytime soon. Could I see it happening down the line, especially if they acquire another center? Yes. But right now, they seem very motivated to try to let Heedle stay at center and make that work. As far as the other options at right wing, Lori Paiemi is probably next in line when you look at what the Rangers have at Hartford right now. He's a guy that we know brings some scoring touch. He was a high scorer in Finland before he came over here. I think the best thing for him is to get some time in the AHL to adjust. He looked pretty good in development camp, but then I thought he faded a little bit at the NHL regular camp. I I think he still needs some time to simmer and develop, but I believe he has at least one goal with Hartford so far, and if he can get hot down there, then absolutely he could be a guy that the Rangers consider for a call-up later in the season. Maybe somebody like a Morgan Barron, who they're pretty intent on leaving at center for similar reasons that we talked about with Hedl, but maybe they would consider shifting him to wing at a certain point. We talked about Kreider and Gaudreau moving to the right side. Listen, it's not a great situation. When the Rangers traded Buchnevich they were banking on young guys stepping up and Kako is obviously one of them. Him having a good season is, is a really key thing for the Rangers as they move forward here, but they need Kreider to work there and they probably need somebody else, whether it ends up being Paiemi, whether it ends up being Hedl, whether Gaudreau ends up playing well there, whether Gautier somehow ends up stepping up. They They need at least one other guy besides Kako and Kreider to have some success on the right wing, no doubt. That is an issue for them. And and it could be something that they address via trade. But I still think given the fact that
1: Zabinijad
0: is the only guy at center that they have under contract long term, if they go out and pull the trigger on a trade, center is probably going to be the, the number one priority. It's been that way for a while and I don't see why that would change now. I, I also think that you can always move a center to wing, but you're not necessarily going to move a wing to center. So if you're going to focus on acquiring one position, it makes the most sense to go after a center. All right. Our final question comes from Joachim Bergquest, who asks, can we assume Kratsov will be traded anytime soon? Or is there a small, small chance he will be wearing a blue shirt again? I guess if you put it in the quote unquote, small, small terms, I can't completely rule anything out. But any of you who read the story that I wrote over the weekend probably picked up on this. It's been made pretty clear to me by multiple sources, people that I trust and that are close to this situation, that... The chances of that happening are not good. Everything that I'm hearing, and one of the quotes that I used in the story was that the relationship can't be fixed. There is no trust right now between the player and the organization. Now, we can talk about blame. We talked about this at length on the show last week. I believe that there is blame on both sides. I believe that Krotzoff, especially, think about the situation they're in now. Had he just gone down to Hartford and committed to proving them wrong, committed to working hard. I, he could have been pissed off. That's that's fine. He should be pissed off for being sent down. But had he done that, he probably would have been back already. He probably would have been in the lineup. Inevitably, anybody who has been around the NHL or any professional sport for that matter, knows that injuries happen in sports and His chances of getting an opportunity at some point this season were high, were very high. So had he gone down to the NHL, he probably would have gotten what he wanted and gotten an NHL opportunity, as we know now, very, very quickly. On the other hand, the Rangers are facing legitimate questions about the way that they handled him. And I touched on this on this in the story. There's a whole chain of events. If you look at everything that has happened since the Rangers signed him in 2019, where he believes, I can tell you this for sure, that false promises were made, that the Rangers gave indications that he was going to get an opportunity and he did it. And that's where his frustration comes from. Now, the Rangers, from their perspective, should have the right to change their mind, should have the right to say, you need some seasoning in the minor leagues. But from his perspective, he was led to believe that he would be an NHL regular sooner. And especially when you look at everything that happened in the last year, when he went to the KHL, when he focused on improving the areas of his game that they wanted him to improve, when he came over at the end of the season, got a good taste, seemed to be preparing to make an impact this season, didn't get invited to development camp because Chris Drury said that he wanted him to be practicing with the NHL regulars. All of those signs are pointing to him getting an opportunity. So again, his frustration, you could see it coming. I told you guys on the show last week that I, I felt like I could see this coming a mile away once they sent him down. I, I had a strong feeling that that was not going to go well for them, and they, frankly, should have seen it coming, and that's thats where the fault lies. Obviously, the relationship between him, and I know a lot of people talk about him and Drury, but I also had people talk about Nick Bobrov, who was the European Scouting Director for the Rangers for a number of years. And I was told by a good source that leading these prospects to believe that things were going to happen for them, maybe quicker than they actually were. So I think there's this whole blame game where everybody shoulders a little bit of blame in this situation. Nobody has no mud on their face, as I wrote, coming out of this situation. But the fact remains, as far as your question goes, Joachim, that Kratsov, does not trust the organization anymore. Kratsov has made it very clear to them that he wants out, he wants to be traded. He's back in Russia right now. And the chances of them mending that fa- fence, I believe, are slim. Again, I was told the relationship can't be fixed. As far as the specifics of the drama and what was said behind the scenes, remember that this is a he said, he said situation and that both sides are are in damage control mode right now. Kratsov's side wants to make sure that he's not perceived as a guy who's entitled or has a poor work ethic or is going to be a problem for any team that might acquire him. And the Rangers, on the other hand, want to eliminate the perception that they did anything wrong. And they're obviously trying to maximize the value that they can get in return for Kratsov. So make sure that when you hear whispers about so-and-so said this to so-and-so that you're a little careful with That because there's a lot of stuff being whispered in a lot of different places right now. But I can tell you that my information has led me to clearly believe that the trust is broken down. Kratsov became frustrated with what he felt was false hope that was given to him and the lack of opportunity that was given to him. Whether you want to call that immaturity or whatever it may be, that's entirely up to you to determine how you perceive that situation. But as far as are they going to make this work, I don't believe the answer is yes. I believe he's going to get traded. I've been told that a lot of teams have expressed some level of interest. A lot of that is just kind of making calls to find out the preliminary, what is jury asking for, that sort of thing. I also have been told with fair certainty that this could take some time. You remember what happened with Leah Anderson? Jeff Gordon did end up trading him for several months after they had had their divorce or whatever you want to call it. So I think that Drury is very willing to play the waiting game on this. The ball is in his court as far as control of the player. So I think he is going to hold out until he feels like he gets the type of return that he's looking for. It's obviously not going to be equal value. Krotzoff was a top 10 pick. The Rangers aren't going to get a top 10 pick in return. But I think something at least along the lines of what they got for Leas, which was a second round pick, is what they're going to be fishing for. Not a good look for the organization, no doubt about it. That is not equal value. And you have to think that there were ways that they could have made this situation turn out better. Again, we addressed a lot of that stuff on the show last week. But Kratsov does not seem to want to come back and give this another try. That is is another thing that I feel fairly confident telling you guys. So that's where we're at with that whole ordeal, with all the drama there. And with that, I am going to go. I'm tired. Uh, (laughs) I feel like, as I mentioned, you guys, I've been on a ton of planes recently. I'm hungry for sure. I think I had a donut for lunch today. So this road lifestyle is not the greatest thing for your diet, but I'm going to try to get a fairly good, well-balanced meal tonight here in Nashville. Maybe a cocktail, maybe two. We'll see how it goes. No game until tomorrow night, so I can sleep in a little tomorrow, which is nice. But with that in mind, I'm going to say goodbye. I hope you guys enjoy the show. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the week, and I will talk to you soon.